0: Father, we thank you that you have prepared our hearts today through the forgiveness of sin, for the hearing of your word, and the reception of your sacrament this day. We rejoice in you, dear Lord. So please illuminate your word, that your son might be glorified, and that we may have confidence to come before your throne of mercy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So Pentecost is just around the corner, you know, this is the fifth week of Easter, we're heading towards that, Um, that wonderful day. When the Holy Spirit of God descends upon the lives of disciples and births the church and empowers them to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. What a great day. We're going to have our bishop here again for uh, his third visit in in a very rapid succession. Uh, But today, as our, our hearts get towards the end of Easter, our minds and our eyes turn towards Pentecost. And so I want to look with you today at the lectionary reading for today that begins to turn our hearts Towards that day of Pentecost, today we're in John chapter fourteen, verses fifteen to twenty-one. If you'd like to follow along with me, it would be a blessing. Uh, if you have your Bibles on your phone or whatever it may be, that would be awesome too. But chapter fourteen, verses fifteen and following, and what you'll see in a lot of the English headings is this: Jesus promises the Holy Spirit, and so we know we're headed towards Pentecost, right? And um, There are three things I want to go over today in this short sermon. One is, what is an advocate? Secondly, who is the first advocate? And thirdly, who is the second advocate? So let's look at verse 15. If you love me, Jesus says, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Focus on that word. To be with you forever even the spirit of truth. That word helper, uh, you know that we have a hard time with that word because every English translation struggles. Some call it a helper like we see in the ESV. Some call it a comforter. Some call it an intercessor. But I like the word advocate, advocate. I will send you another advocate from the Father. The Greek word is paraclete or paracleton, and listen to those English words, para, which means coming alongside, and kaleo, you hear the word call, right? So somebody's going to come alongside us and call out or speak truth into our lives. And so we're looking for one to come alongside us, a paraclete. Now, you almost think of the word advocate there because it's courtroom language, Okay. Think of an advocate in the courtroom who represents his or her client in a court of law. That's what we're talking about here. Think about a guardian ad litem, okay? Literally, a guardian ad litem is a court-appointed person, either a lawyer or a layperson, that represents the best interests of his or her client with regard to the children or child he or she represents. So typically, a guardian ad litem Stands beside you to represent you, to speak truth in a courtroom to the powerless, the neglected, those who are going through parental right issues and paternity issues. That that one comes alongside as your advocate so that he can speak on your behalf. Isn't that what Jesus is saying? Isn't that the advocate, the voice of the powerless, working toward the best interest of his client? The advocate becomes our mediator, our substitute in a court of law, speaking truth to the judge. Verse 15, I will send you another advocate to be with you forever. Remember in verses 18 and 19 today, Jesus says, I'm going away, but don't worry. Don't worry. I'm not going to leave you as orphans in this world. I'm going to send you another advocate. All right, so you hear that. There are at least two advocates we're dealing with today, right? So in this courtroom drama, we have two advocates. Who are they? First of all, you may have guessed, first advocate's Jesus, right? Of course. We say in the Holy Eucharist that we have a mediator and an advocate standing on our behalf, speaking truth to the Father. In that way, Jesus is our advocate. The comfortable words that we did not say today, but we classically say right before communion, uh, one of those comes from John. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. And he tells us this, my little children, I'm writing this to you that you may not sin, but if you do, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he's the perfect offering for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. Um, There's that word advocate. He is your clothing. He is your mediator. He's your defense attorney. Jesus is. So we're talking about a court of law here, right? A court of law in which we all must stand one day. Every one of us will be in God's law court one day. The choice that we have is to represent ourselves or allow Jesus to be our advocate. Hebrews 13.13 says this, and no creature is hidden from God's sight. But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. There will be in a day where we all must give an account to the Father. And what does he say? We're, we're naked and exposed. We can't defend ourselves. So it's kind of like that colic for purity that we started the service with today. In the Anglican tradition... Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, from whom no secrets are hid, oh my gosh, naked, we can't defend ourselves, we're laid bare before God. We need an advocate, right? And we all know, just from our experience, that there there is a system of justice and a standard for living, right? Over my many years as a priest, I've sat at the bedside of many dying folks And they've all, about 95%, have some guilt stain on their hearts from years ago that they just hadn't worked through. There's something that they did or left undone many years ago that's still a burden in their lives. And what that says to me is, is one, their conscience has revealed that there is a standard. Number two, that they have fallen short of that standard and they know that. And number three, they need an advocate to defend them by their side. Romans 3:23 says there's no distinction. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we're all needing an advocate today. And the only way we can stand in God's courtroom on the final day when we have to give an account is with that advocate at our side, Christ Jesus. Jesus is our advocate, he's our defense attorney. He pleads our case before the Father. And not only that, but Jesus has an infallible case on our behalf, infallible. Okay, here's how it's going to go, something like this. I'm going to go up to heaven, be in the courtroom. Jesus is going to say, this is my client, Trip Jeffords, and uh, he's guilty. And uh, Jesus is going to say, and he knows it. Every week he said he should love the Lord his God with all of his heart, all of his soul, all of his mind, and he didn't do that. And every week he said he loves his neighbor as himself. And, and he wasn't a very good spouse sometimes or a very good father and wasn't a very good neighbor. He's guilty as sin. And he understands also, Father, how this courtroom works. That for sin there must be the shedding of blood. And something must die to repair the relationship. But, Father, I offer my blood on Trip's behalf. I offer my life for his life I paid the legal penalty for sin. I'm his advocate so that he may go free. You see how that works? God's law demands perfect justice. We can't hold that against God. God's mercy was in sending Jesus, our advocate. So then Jesus says, Father, therefore I rest my case. And through my blood I demand before you full acquittal for Trip Jeffords. And he slams his gavel down, and the Father says, not guilty, not guilty. We have an advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus the righteous, and he's the propitiation for our sins. Now, I mentioned Hebrews 13, 13, that we were all laid bare before the Father, defenseless, unable to be our own advocate. I didn't read the 14 and following. In 14 and following, he says, But we have a great high priest in heaven who is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus, he was one who in every respect was tempted as we are, yet remained without sin. Therefore, we're able to draw close to the throne of God with confidence that on that day we might receive mercy and grace in our time of need. We have a great high priest, our advocate. Jesus lived the life we couldn't live, perfect in every way, tempted and yet perfect. And he he imputes that perfect life into our account as he is our advocate. He becomes our righteous clothing before the Father. So get that. The throne of justice that we all must stand before has now become a throne of grace because we have a great advocate. Case closed. Jesus is our courtroom advocate. He will not leave us orphaned. He will ask the Holy Spirit to come, the advocate, our helper. So that's the second advocate, the one that's coming on Pentecost. And the second advocate stands beside us and speaks the truth about our relationship with the Father. So here, look at verse 20. He's going to speak these words to us if we allow the Spirit to speak. In that day... He will bring remembrance so that you will know that I am in the Father, Jesus says, and that you are in me and that I am in you. He's speaking the truth about a reconciled relationship that we have with God. He's speaking the truth to God's people, and here's why it's important. Because even after you've accepted your first advocate, Jesus Christ, and you know that he's paid the penalty for your sin, the devil is still out there to be your accuser. Think about that. He's trying to accuse the children of God. Isn't that what he did in the first book of the Bible? Genesis accuses Adam and Eve. Isn't that what he does in Job? He comes to to the Father as the prosecuting attorney against Job. All the way to the end of the Bible, Revelation 12, where it says that, that the evil one must be thrown down to the earth, the one who accuses the saints before God day and night. You see, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus. We have an advocate with the Father, the Holy Spirit. And we have an accuser who is Satan. And he wants nothing more than for your life to be filled with guilt and misery over a sin that happened years ago. So the second advocate reminds us of who we are in the Father. Reminds us to let go of that guilt. You see, I I know that as a Christian, Satan can begin to whisper in your ear, You know, you've done something that's wrong, and and he'll say, look at that, what you just did. Would any Christian do that? Would anybody who loves the Father do that? You must not be a Christian. And once you've been convicted and accused of sin and guilt, guess what? It's easy not to go to church because you feel guilty. You know you can't stand before the Father. Okay, guess what? It's it's hard to read the Bible because it may convict you of sin. It's hard now to pray because you feel unworthy before the Father. That's why you need the advocate, restoring, speaking into that relationship that's been restored by Jesus. You see, we become our own advocates when we trust in what we've done or left undone. Jesus, as our advocate, allows for the forgiveness of sin. You see, here's where you know if you're being your own advocate. It's when you have a dream out there and it's unfulfilled. It's when you have a goal in life and you fall short. It's when you have a calling to be a mom or a dad or a friend or a priest or whatever it may be and you keep messing up. It's when you have that thing and you fall short and you're crushed by it. Your self-esteem, your self-worth, you feel unlovable, you feel unworthy. Well, you've forgotten who the advocate is, right? You've forgotten that Jesus has paid for all that and you're going to fall short and you're going to mess up. And the Holy Spirit's there to remind you of who your advocate truly is. You are not orphaned, the Scripture tells us today. You are not orphaned. You are a part of God's precious royal family. And the Spirit of Truth is there to speak that into your heart against the work of the accuser. So the second advocate is to remind you of all that Jesus has done. I like what J.I. Packer has to say about this. Wonderful theologian. He said, "The Holy Spirit, the second advocate, is like a floodlight on Christ in your life." Think of the darkness of sin and, and guilt and the, the muck and mire in our hearts sometimes. and think of somebody hitting that floodlight and shining it clearly on Jesus, who loved you and paid the price for you. who was going to be your defense attorney at the end of time, pleading his blood on your behalf. The Holy Spirit reminds you of who you are in Jesus. That Jesus is in the Father, and Jesus is in you, and you are in Jesus, and don't let the accuser tell you different. Look at the advocate. Look at all that he's done for you. Look at the price that he paid for you. Do you think Jesus would have suffered on the cross for you, only to allow you to be sad and guilty and in misery? No. He restored you, and the Holy Spirit shines that light of truth on your life. You know, my first field education experience was at Christ Church in Greenville, South Carolina. I had no sooner gotten there and unpacked things that I I got a call that there had been a a terrible thing that happened in the parish that day. There was this businessman. He and his family had this business, and it was an insurance business. Uh, His father had started the business, and because it had gone so successful, they started opening branches in the Northeast, The father had given the local Greenville business to his son, and he ran it in the ground. Terrible businessman, just wasn't capable. And then all of a sudden, he started running up a debt that was more than he can ever imagine. And he felt such a failure that he had ruined the father's business. And one day, he wrote a note to his wife and his three young children. He said, I feel like I'm a nobody. I'm a complete and utter failure. I've come to the conclusion that you and the kids will be better off without me. And with that, he committed suicide. See what happened? This guy was a senior warden. He had gone to church all, every Sunday pretty much. He would heard thousands of sermons, but he never let Jesus become his advocate. He may have known it intellectually, but still he was pursuing goodness and success and, and trying to be worthy in an earthly fashion. And when he fell short, he was his own defense attorney. See, he didn't have to justify himself if Jesus was his advocate, because whether life goes well or life went poorly, he's still justified before the Father in love before God. So maybe you've become like that guy. Maybe you've forgotten that you have a defense attorney, that Jesus Christ poured his love into you on the cross. Maybe you need to have the Holy Spirit become your floodlight to put Jesus, the advocate, back in the, to the center of your heart, to be reminded that you don't have to vindicate yourself, you don't have to plead your case, you're already loved by God and you're found in Jesus. So please, as I end today, don't let your good deeds or your achievements or your accomplishments be your defense. Do not plead your own case before the Father. You don't have to argue your case. Your defense attorney is Jesus. Let the Holy Spirit shine on him and let him be your advocate. We need an advocate because we've got an accuser. We have an advocate in Christ Jesus and an advocate in the Holy Spirit. Trust the Holy Spirit to point to Jesus.